0: He's like, you need to rise up as singles and put your hand on the wounds of the world and take your place and actually get a vision for your life and step into it.
1: Hi, I'm Gerilyn, and welcome to Old Maid podcast about living a faithful single life in a very married church. Today, we'll chat with Stephanie. She's 35, and she's a missionary with Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, in Kansas City, Missouri. And boy, can this lady preach. I was so encouraged just listening to her and now editing it again. So I'm not going to take up any more time. She has some, some amazing things to say about keeping eternal perspective, and having spiritual children, and communicating and sharing her feelings with Jesus. And she, I think you'll be able to hear the joy in her voice. So check it out.
0: Uh, I am a full-time missionary with Youth With a Mission. I don't know if you've heard of YWM.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. In Kansas City, uh, I've been on staff with YWAM since 2016, but I've been in Kansas City since 2012. So I work with a mes- our messenger internship, which is like a year-long Uh, internship. It's like a secondary school after you've done your DTS. And we are training people from America and from other nations on how to develop international campuses, mission sending bases, and how to do all nation initiatives. So in America, we started an initiative called All America, where we want to see every person in America prayed for and connected with a believer, with Jesus with the Bible and with a Bible-believing community. And so part of our internship, there's two tracks. One is the international campus development, and the second track is learning how to do an all-nation initiative to see every person in your specific nation reached. So that's what I do. It's wonderful and, like, so full of vision. I love the vision of what I'm doing. It's also challenging working with people from different nations, different cultures, different languages. About half of my interns, I don't speak their language. Oh, wow. So that's like a unique dynamic, but it's really stretching and really good for me. And yeah, it's really exciting to partner with people from other nations to see the Lord move in their nation. So I love that about what I get to do, Um, what I do for fun. I love playing with my nieces and nephews. I love going on adventures and hiking and running and being outside. I love reading, writing, drinking coffee, all those good things. (laughs) Um, But I really, I really love playing with my nieces and nephews. They are some of my favorite human beings on the earth. Doing fun things with them is my favorite. And seeing how they delight in little things is just such a gift. Kittles are the best. They make life so much more fun.
1: I yeah, I can't wait to have some in my family too.
0: I may have bought my sister and her husband before they ever started trying for babies, baby clothes. I was like, I just wanna let you know I'm ready. <laughs> you might not be, but I am. <laughs> I don't necessarily advise that, but I totally get that.
1: Yeah, no pressure.
0: Yeah, exactly right.
1: You might not want to do that, but
0: yeah. What brought you to YWAM? When I was young, I really wanted to be a firefighter. And then I realized I was like deadly allergic to smoke. And so I was like, shoot, I can't be a firefighter. What am I going to do with my life? And I was like, probably eight, nine, 10. It's like, I'm going to be a missionary and a mom. So I just had this dream that I would be a missionary overseas and have babies all around me. And those dreams never left. So when I graduated high school, age of 18, I moved to Winnipeg to work for a year to make enough money to go overseas. And the Lord had completely other plans and had me in Winnipeg for about seven years. He needed to heal my heart of some things. And also he taught me how to pray. And I think just foundational in a, like living life with Jesus, but also in a missional lifestyle. We just really need to pray. We need him to do what we can't do. And uh, we need to know him intimately. So after that seven-year period, I felt like the Lord start kind of nudging me, being like, okay, now it's time. Now it's time. And I had applied for YOM multiple times between like 18 and 25. And one day after my – I was 25. It was, it was a few months after my birthday. I felt the Lord say, now's the time. And he opened up those doors wide. So I went to New Zealand to do my DTS there and then was there for – uh, about 11 months. DTS is a discipleship training school. It's a six-month program. Three months are like lecture phase, where you're learning about who God is, his nature, his character, what he's like, learning about missions, evangelism, sharing your story, what God's done for you. And then the last three months are outreach phase, where you go to other nations, and you put into to practice all that you've learned about who God is, and you share him with others. And you preach the gospel, and you do evangelism, and Pray for the sick, and you see God do amazing things. So I did that in New Zealand in 2010, and then came home for a year. My sister had her first baby in Canada. My brother got married, and then I was praying about, Lord, where do you want me? Where do you, what are you saying? What are you doing? And I felt like he said, I want you to learn the word better. So I came down to Kansas City to the International House of Prayer. They have a university here. And so I did four year a four-year Bible program and learned a lot more about prayer, a lot more about Jesus, a lot more about who he's made me to be, and jumped into YWAM as a staff after I graduated in 2016.
1: You mentioned that when you were young, one of your dreams was to be a mom and to have babies all around you. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about how you grew up and what your expectations were for adult life?
0: Yeah. So I think growing up, I I did really want to be a mom. I, I think I just assumed I would graduate high school, Wanted to do missions, but also just assumed it would in- include a husband and kids because um, that was a huge dream of mine. I remember lying in bed at night, like praying, Lord, would you let someone who doesn't want their baby, would you let them leave that baby on my doorstep? Like I really wanted to adopt babies and wake up in the morning and find them on my doorstep. <laughs> that never happened. But I, yeah, that was a big part of the things that I had wanted to do with the Lord was to, to be a mom and to have kids and to have a, a husband to do it with and to partner in the work of advancing the kingdom together. And so that was part of my expectation for sure. I was missionary mom doing life in the nations with someone. I honestly didn't see myself doing it without a husband, mm-hmm. but I, it, it wasn't like I knew the timeline or it just was an assumption that I didn't even know was there. And then as the years kind of passed, I was like, wait, wait, something hasn't happened yet. Lord is something missing. <laughs> and, uh, had kind of hoped that that would happen, but it has not happened yet. So I'm not yeah. sure
1: we'll do, but. Can you tell me a little bit about the journey that has led to you being single now?
0: I never dated in high school. I just didn't want to. I had no desire to. It wasn't something that I, I just didn't think it was smart. I was like, eh, I'll probably, if I would date, it wouldn't last. And so I don't want it. I just don't want my heart broken. So I just didn't date. In my 20s, so there was, my parents had a bit of a rough marriage They got, they were separated a couple times and then eventually got divorced and there was some abuse in my background. And so I don't think I realized how much pain I had in my heart. And when I was 25, the Lord dealt with that. The, my twenties, there was such grace to be single in my twenties. Like I am so grateful. I look back on my twenties and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Like there were seasons of intentional singleness where I chose not to date for a year, two years, and multiple times. And there were other seasons of unintentional singleness. There was just no one that was pursuing or that I was interested in. But I think a big part of that was the Lord needed to heal a lot of part of my, like a big part of my heart that I hadn't even been aware of. And so when I was 25, on my 25th birthday, the Lord met me in a profound way and set me free from a lot of pain and shame. And honestly, I think the root of it was just a fear and a hatred of men. And so when he did that, like I was in a, I was in the place of prayer and he said, Stephanie, you need to repent of hating men. And I had no idea I hated men. And so that was like a light bulb moment for me being like, but do I actually have that problem? And then it's like, you know, when your eyes get open to something, you're like, oh, wow, I have been living in that for years without knowing it. Hmm. So that was an amazing like moment of revelation where only God knew what was in my heart and he knew the exact time to be like, hey, I want to bring something to your attention and I want you to repent and I want you to change and I want you to live differently and think differently and feel differently. And so um, I repented and the Lord did a huge work. And honestly, I haven't been the same since that day. How many years ago? Almost 10 years ago. Oh, my goodness. So... I think that was a big player, like a big contributor, I should say, to part of my singleness in my early 20s. I didn't realize I was just terrified of men and really fearful of relationships, really fearful of what that could look like. I would had no clue that I was even living in that. And so once the Lord dealt with that, then there was a whole lot more openness in my heart to the potential of a relationship. As much as I'd still wanted it, it was a huge desire of my heart. There was a huge blockage there. Because I mm-hmm. haven't dealt with some of those things, and so since then, the, again, there has been so much grace in my twenties to be single. There was joy in it. I loved it. I'm, I'm so grateful. Being single in my thirties has been a lot more challenging. Partly because I feel like since Lord dealt with that ten years ago, my heart is way more open, and I'm like, Lord, that is something that I would want. I want to. I want to display who you are and how you feel about your church through a relationship with a husband. Like it says in Ephesians five that. The way that Christ loves the church is the way that a husband is to love his wife and the way that a wife submits to her husband is the way that it just, that relationship so pictures how God feels about his people and how his people are to respond to him. And I want to display that in my life through my marriage and even wanting to have victory in an, in an age and a time where marriage is no longer considered like, um, sacred is a bit of a strong word, but like. Where there's just a lot of divorce, where there's a lot of broken relationships. I, I, by the grace of God, want to display how God feels about his people and how, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, that's been kind of the journey of the last, my 20s and a little bit of my 30s of just the Lord having to take me to the place of dealing with some stuff. And then once he dealt with that, my heart being more and more and more open and my 30s being a little bit more challenging and more difficult in trusting him. And knowing that he's got a good plan for my life, and in letting some of those places of pain, like bringing those to the Lord and being like, "Can you meet me here, please? Amen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I know that like one of the questions I'd sent you was that singleness often leads to emotional pain. And it sounds like there has been some of that for you. How have you dealt with that?
0: Yeah, and I think there for sure has been, and it has been a little bit more heightened in the last few years specifically. And for me, the best way that I have found to deal with that pain is to go to the Lord and have honest conversations. For me, it looks like going for long walks and taking Kleenex along and not like hopefully my plan is to get somewhere secluded so I can just cry my eyes out and Be really honest and vocal with Jesus and be like, what are you doing? Okay, give me your perspective and um, verbally process with him what's in my heart. And so for me, it's having to open up my heart and be like, God, you see, you know, you hear, come in. I need Mm -hmm. you to come into the situation. I need you to come into the pain and the disappointments and my lack of understanding related to your leadership right now. And I need to hear your voice because one word from your mouth can change my perspective. And I know for me, a lot of times when the discouragement or the disappointment seems to take over, I've lost eternal perspective. Sometimes I just need a good friend in my life to remind me, hey, this isn't what my life is about. Life isn't about getting married. And there is so much more. At the end of the day, we stand before God, not as a married couple, but as a single individual giving account of our lives. And when we meet him face to face, you know, marriage isn't forever. It's temporary. And so sometimes I need that reminder from a really good friend who I know loves me and is fighting for me in the place of prayer to remind my heart, hey, that's not eternal perspective. Let's let's focus again on seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And let's focus our heart again on meeting with Jesus in an intimate way that changes our hearts and that fills that that need for love and for safety and for trust. Yeah, I think... For me, just being really honest with God has probably been one of the best ways for me to work through some of those dynamics and the pain of, of, of it looking different than I anticipated or taking yeah. longer than I had wanted.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You mentioned that lean life is not about getting married. I think that some people would say that that churches, maybe in particular the culture that we kind of both grew up in, that Steinbach Mennonite, very family-oriented culture, Tends to sort of idolize marriage and maybe doesn't encourage or deal with singles very well. Is has that been at all your? I feel like it's been like a decade
0: since I've lived in Steinbeck full time,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, in that area. So and in where I am currently, like there's such a like a acceptance of like you don't have to be married to be fruitful Mm -hmm. in your love and relationship with Jesus, to be fruitful in ministry, to be fruitful in in different ways. So I don't feel that pressing in this season. At the same time, I feel it more personally than church corporately, if that makes sense. Sometimes I'll put that perspective on myself where I'm like, I haven't made it yet. Like I'm still, I'm just, I'm not there yet. And I don't like in this community here in, in Kansas city with YOM, I don't feel that like i they have a theology and they really believe that you can do sometimes more when you're single. I'm always reminded of first Corinthians seven where it talks about singleness is the gift of undistracted devotion to Jesus. We have more time. We have more margin in our lives <laughs> to focus on making him known and being with him and knowing him intimately. As you get married, you add kids to the mix, the margin of time dramatically decreases. Uh, even if as a single person, you feel busy and like you don't have a lot of time, we have a lot more time than we, we than we realize. And so I think that, um, I think that is a real lie. Like I was in Canada for about a year. Um, this past year, I came back to Kansas City about six months ago, but I was home for just over a year. I, f- I feel like I found my place in the church. I feel like I found great friendships and people who supported me. And it wasn't like, hey, you haven't made it yet. What's What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that. But I have friends, dear friends who are in their 30s and single who do feel that. I'm not sure if it's specifically because of the what they've experienced in church and in the Christian community, or if it's more of a pressure we put on ourselves of like, why have I not made it yet? Is there something wrong with me that I'm still this single? Or is like just that wrestle on the inside? So one, one thing that I do feel like the family of God could do better is celebrating singles in a different way. So, well, there's two actually. One is being family and the second would be celebrating singles in a different way. And so for, for me, uh, one of the things that's really helped me in being single for so long or what feels like so long, 35 isn't so long, but has been like grafting myself into a family with kids. Mm. So for example, my sister and her husband, I am like the second mom to their kids and they call me that, Hey, second mom. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) And for me, like immersing myself in a family has made being single so long doable because i don't feel as alone or isolated or even like it it almost even meets the need of wanting my own kids and not having them where i can love on and spoil and also help disciple these kiddos spoil in the best sense of the word of like i love taking them on dates they're my my favorite little kiddos to take on dates cuz they're just <laughs> so great but um, that has really helped me. And I recently jumped into a small group here that's led or the main, yeah, led, I'll say led by a family. And so they have four kids. It's a married couple and the rest of us are singles. And that has been so life giving coming into a home of a family, being able to worship together, read the Bible together, do life together around a family. And when they need babysitters, they just text, Hey guys, anybody willing to watch our kiddos? And we do life together, but we're focused around the word and worship and loving Jesus together in the context of a family. When everyone in the small group besides them are single. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, we are being invited into a family and it's so healthy and it's so good for us because we can help each other and they're strengths and weaknesses. They're helping us as singles and in our time (laughs) and strengths and weaknesses, we're helping them. And so that's been a really gift, a big gift. And I think that's critical for the health of single people to immerse yourself in a family, adopt someone else's kids, take them out on little dates and talk to them about Jesus and ask them how their lives are. And I know that some of my nephews have shared with me things that I don't know if they would have been as comfortable sharing with their parents in that moment, because it's different when you've got someone pouring love into you
1: who's not your parent. So, I think that's been huge. Yeah. Um, well, that's very true. Like I have I have an aunt, she has her own her own kids, but but we talk about things and sometimes I, yeah, I'll share things with her that I don't share with my own mother, because I think it's maybe just because there's a tiny little bit more distance where I know that she, she's, you know, a godly woman who loves me and cares about me, yes. but she's not my mom. Yeah. So it is, yeah, it is a very, very, uh, yeah, um, valuable thing to have for sure. Yes.
0: yes, totally. And then the second thing would be celebrating. I think that like, For me, I know there's been a lot of pain in the last five years or so when dear friends are getting married, having wedding showers, having baby showers, having weddings, and there's been nothing big and celebratory in my life. That has been painful, and I never thought it would be. Like, it just never crossed my mind that, like, literally thinking, I don't want to go to another baby shower (laughs) because I'm not married. Or pregnant, and I'd like to be, you know what I mean? And that actually being a place of pain, where, again, it's an opportunity to open up my heart and meet with Jesus and have a great cry and invite him in. But it has been a source of pain for me. And I think that as singles, you're like, Yay! it's your birthday. Woohoo, let's celebrate you. But we celebrate everybody's birthdays. And so I think even being intentional as a church, as the family of God to go, hey, you got a promotion at work, let's celebrate you. Or you graduated, you got your degree, let's celebrate and going out of our way to see the areas where there are milestones in a single's life that aren't including marriage and babies and showers and those kind of things Mm -hmm. and celebrating them. Even like it was a personal goal, like, man, you wanted to run a half marathon and you did it. Awesome. We're coming around you and celebrating this because this is great because I think celebration is a bit of a lost art and it Mm -hmm. brings family, like the family of God together in a unique way that just brings joy and life and I think it's really good for us to celebrate more together and so as a single I felt that I felt that like man do I really matter if I don't ever have these things in my life will I be celebrated and and yes I will because God celebrates those things with me but I think it would be I think it'd be a benefit to the whole body if we Mm -hmm. celebrate the
1: milestones and the good things in singles as well. I have sometimes wished that there was whatever the single equivalent of a bridal shower would be. (laughs) Yes. But mostly because I was just super jealous of my sister or brother, whatever, who were getting all these new stuff when I had like all thrift store stuff. (laughs) Totally. Selfish motives, I guess, but.
0: (laughs) I have a dear friend that there's this one item in the kitchen that at bridal showers, when the bride gets it, she could just go cry. Cause she wants that item so bad and she's in her thirties and she's single and she's like, I just, I don't feel like I can go purchase that on my own. And I don't think I'm ever going to get that. Cause I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. And so that is a real thing for singles. And I know it sounds so trivial, like I'll just go buy your kitchen maid thing at the same time. It's like, Oh, it's so much deeper than that. Like there's actual pain there that she needs to bring to Jesus, which she does. She's an amazing godly woman. To, to meet with him there and be like, man, this KitchenAid machine just represents disappointment mm-hmm. and a misunderstanding of your heart and your leadership and disillusionment. Like, why has it taken so long? And will it ever happen? And asking those questions and having to surrender again, but also receive what his what God's thoughts are towards us in those moments. But you've experienced that too?
1: <laughs> I don't think that there's any one thing that represents it to me. I think it's just more like, yeah. I, I've experienced like being essentially my my roommate being married out from underneath me and and we had shared a household completely. We've been we've been roommates for for almost ten years. So it was kind of like I mean like we're both starting new lives, <laughs> uh,
0: right? We have to start all over. I've got to get my got to get stuff for a household now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, which I got all the old stuff, which I was very adequately supplied because every time she got something new, then I'm like, well, I get the old one. So. <laughs> I'm <I've> benefiting. <laughs> She's like, oh, she just got a slow cooker. Okay, that means I just got a slow cooker.
0: Just a used <laughs> one. You know? Oh, that's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but that is a huge transition after 10 years, finding a place to live and finding someone else to do life with.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it was almost like breaking up our family in some ways. Because we okay. were a little family of two there for a while. I mean, it was still a good trade. I'm very happy to have my brother-in-law in the family. He's great fun and he's a good oh. guy. <laughs>
0: Brother-in-laws are really great. I yeah. do enjoy them.
1: I think our family was a lot more boring without him. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he spices it up a bit. Yeah, he's a fun-loving guy. Oh, so Good. Whenever he's around, we're having a good time. What have been some of the challenges of singleness been? We already talked a little bit on the emotional side. What about on the practical side? So
0: for me, I have found living in a missional transient community really hard being single. I've been in Kansas City for about eight years now. Nine months out of those, out of each year, I'd be here in Kansas City. Three months, I'd be back home. Uh, For the first four years, I'd go back and forth for like summers and renewing my visa and that kind of stuff. And this, again, I was kind of saying how I came home for about a year and just returned to Kansas City about six months ago. And I think the hardest thing practically was not having a constant companion, like a friend that I knew would be there with me, no matter what the circumstance was. And of course, obviously, Jesus is with us by his spirit. But it was really hard after having been gone for so long to come back. And so many of my friendships had changed. So many of my friends had gotten married and had babies and entering back in and being like, Oh, man, I'm still the same. Like, he's changed me a lot. I've learned a lot. He's changed and transformed many parts of my life. But that was a practical thing for me that was like, oh, shoot. I just wish I had a constant companion that I'm like, hey, we're going back to Canada and it's the two of us. And having to really meet Jesus there and be like, okay, you're with me and I'm not alone. has been a practical thing. Also, decision making. I'm not sure about you. I'm not the quickest decision maker Like in some ways, I think it's a lot easier as singles to make decisions because it only affects us usually, but there's something glorious about being able to make a decision with someone else. I think that I would really like that. I'd really like to be able to make decisions with other people, but I'm learning and growing that God is really sharpening that ability in me to make quicker decisions, better decisions. Um, The older I get and the more I've had to do it on my own. Um, just to lean in, to hear his voice and to make decisions. But that has been practically challenging because I really do like bouncing ideas off of people. And when it doesn't affect them directly, it's a bit harder to have that same buy-in of like the process, like praying with you and, and being like, yeah, this really affects us when it doesn't really affect them mm-hmm. as much. So,
1: Yeah. What have been some of the opportunities that singleness has given you?
0: Yes. I think there have been incredible and many opportunities that I've gotten that have come. And it's been easier because of my single, like my single, wow, my singleness. <laughs> um, so I've gotten to travel a number of different places to do missions. Some of the mission work, like I went and worked with a human trafficking group in brazil during the fifa world cup in 2014 just certain places i've gotten to go and areas i've gotten to work in has been so much easier because i'm single and sometimes the risks of where you go and what you do is also easier when you're single because you're not thinking kids you're not thinking husband you're like you don't have to consider that it's it makes choosing some of those things um a bit easier because It's between you and the Lord, and you're not responsible for other little human beings. Yeah, I think there have been a lot more opportunities in building friendships, godly friendships, a lot more opportunities in where I can go and what I can do because I'm single. In so many ways, I'm really grateful for the season of singleness because I've got to sow into many more different people, like many different people because of it. I have more time. When I was home in Canada, I was walking with a young girl and discipling her. And that was so life-giving. And and I think discipleship, when we're discipling, when we have more time to disciple as single people, it is such a blessing and it changes us. <laughs> Sometimes even more, I it think <laughs> it changes the others. And you're like, wow, Lord, you are transforming me in this process. And I think even that in Matthew 19, um, there's a part that talks about, they're asking Jesus about divorce and he talks about eunuchs actually, and he goes this whole thing about divorce and eunuchs, and if if you can accept this saying, you should accept it, and how there's different kind of eunuchs, and one of them is being is being choosing to be a eunuch for the kingdom. And I that I think has been a question and a thought I've had in my relationship with the Lord over the last 15 years is, God, do you have singleness for me as a lifestyle? Like, is this, it's not happened yet. I've not gotten married. I've never met someone that I wanted to date and marry. And so is this, is this a grace you have on my life? Is this something that you want me to do? As much as the desire has been growing over the last decade or so, that question always comes into my mind a number of times in my seasons of life. Like even in this past season, I've just been like, Lord, as much as I want to to get married, do you have the grace and the gift of singleness for me in a in a long-term measure, like, I think that the gift of singleness is not that it always feels good, but that we choose to receive the gift. If you're single, you have the gift of singleness Mm -hmm. because you are single. And I think it's that choosing to receive that gift and be like, okay, this is a gift. This means I've got more time for undistracted devotion to Jesus because he's jealous for me and he wants me to know him. And I want to attend to him and I want to love on him. And I want to be attentive to his word and what he's saying. And I want to I want to go where he's going and I want to do what he's doing. So I think that the opportunities can be incredible and marvelous and life changing when we choose to see the single season of singleness as a gift and we receive it and we agree with it and we partner with him in it and we make ourselves more available to having undistracted devotion to him. And, and sometimes I think it is, I think there, there are people who literally have the gift and they will be, Single celibate for the rest of their lives. And I think there will be others who've wanted it and just don't get married. There are many women I know in missions who are in their 50s and 60s and have never been married and have wanted to the whole time. And so I think that having to change perspective to go, okay, life is not about me. It's not about my desires. God cares about them deeply. And I want to keep letting Him in, keep letting Him speak to those areas of my life. But in this season of singleness, I want to devote myself to him and make myself available to what he's doing. And so how do I partner with him? And how do I get spiritual kids? Because if I'm not going to have my own natural children, which I don't know what he will do, he I might still have my own natural children. But man, do I want spiritual kids? Who can I get around me that I can sow into, disciple, walk with, love on, like take on hiking dates, <laughs> those kind of things. I think it is. There's so much opportunity as singles. And there's a great teaching on singleness um, by a pastor named John Tyson from Church of the City in New York. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. Oh, man, I can send you the link after we're done this. Such a good message on singleness. And he, at one point in this message, he's like, Your generation, a lot of you guys deal with FOMO, like fear of missing out. And he's like, I break the power of FOMO over you, but I speak FOSO over you, the fear of squandering opportunities. He's like, you need to rise up as singles and put your hand on the wounds of the world and take your place and actually get a vision for your life and step into it. And instead of just sitting and waiting and being like, my life hasn't begun. It hasn't started because I'm not married. He's like, get a vision, get a vision for your life and go after it and attend to the presence of God and be attentive to his word and attend to his work. And I do feel like as singles, It's such an opportunity and such an invitation from God to partner with him, to be available, to put our hands to the wounds of a bleeding world that needs him so badly. And I don't want to spend my time waiting in self-pity going, God, why haven't you provided this? When Mm -hmm. he's saying, Stephanie, get a vision for what I'm doing. Step into my storyline instead of waiting for someone else to step into yours and take up the great commandments to love me and take up the great commission and go make disciples because it's about something way bigger than your life and trusting that when I seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, other things will be added. And he Mm -hmm. may never bring marriage into my life. And if he doesn't, he's still really good. He might bring marriage into my life. And if he does, he's still good because there will be great benefits and great opportunities that come with marriage and there'll be great challenges. And the same goes with singleness. But yeah, I just feel that strongly. There are so many opportunities to be had as single men and women when we grab hold of the purposes and the promises of God and we run after it and we don't wait. We don't put our futures on hold because we're waiting for a husband or a wife to come and fill that need. But we take hold of God's storyline and we let go of ours because that's what salvation—that's that, what becoming a Christian is. We exchange our lives. It's not Jesus gets added to my life. It's He gave me His life, and I've given Him mine. It's an exchange. I don't get a little bit of Jesus. No, Stephanie had to die. <laughs> I had to surrender my life to Him, and in that exchange, He then gets to do what He wants to do with my life. Does that? And that—that that sometimes means. Daily, It does mean daily surrender, a daily picking up our cross, denying ourselves and following after him. Um, and in that, when it feels disappointing and like confusing of, Lord, what? this isn't what I thought, it's coming again, being open and honest with him, sharing my heart with him, but then choosing to surrender. God, you know what's best, and I give you my life. And I want to obey your word. I want to hear your word, and I want to obey it.
1: What do you hope for the future? And do you think that singleness affects how you plan for the future? No, not not everyone does plan for the future, but. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> if that's not your nature, that's no problem. But Yeah, no, totally.
0: Yeah. Um, I, for the future, that's a great question. Man, I feel like that's a multi-layered question. I I want to be available to whatever God has for me. And I want to... See prayer and missions come together, wherever I may be, wherever in the world he puts me, prayer and missions are coming together. He wants his people to know him intimately, and he also wants his people to make him known. And so whether that looks like training up people from Paraguay to go take their nation and see every person prayed for and connected with Jesus, whether that looks like being in the red light districts of Amsterdam or the Amazon, I really want to see Prayer and missions come together, the intimately knowing him and then making him known. And that's what he's doing all across the globe, which is really exciting. When I think about my desires, my hopes, I do really want, I really do want to get married. I really do want to have children. When I think about how that affects my planning of life, I don't know if it really does. Because if I had, if I had allowed marriage to dictate how I plan for my life, I don't think I would have done what I've done and I don't think I would have let the Lord lead me the way he has. I think I'd be stuck when I, for myself vision is a big deal for me. I love having a vision. I love knowing where I'm going and how I'm partnering with God and what it looks like. And I like the, I like knowing the what I like knowing the why and I like knowing the how, like, okay, what is it that we're doing Jesus and how are we going to do it? And, um, so what does that look like for planning for the future with the hope and the desire of marriage kind of depends on the season. There's been some seasons where I have felt the Lord say, pray, pray for your future spouse, pray for your future marriage. There's other seasons where I've felt him say stop and other seasons where I've just been like, God, I don't think I can. I'm, I'm a bit too disappointed right now and I've just let it go. And I've been like, Lord, when you have that for me, please let me know when you want me to start praying again. Cause right now I just don't have the emotional mental capacity to do it. <laughs> it honestly in this season when I think about the future, I I don't plan for marriage. I hope for it, I pray for it, but there's not anything practical that I'm doing in planning for it besides asking Jesus to make me more like him because I know that marriage will make me more holy. <laughs> and the things that I can easily hide now from roommates who don't get into the nitty gritty parts of our lives, right? They will be exposed when I'm married to someone. And so it's just been a season, I think, it's always that season of like, Lord, make me look like Jesus. I want to look like him. I want my character refined. And currently I'm living in a situation where I do have two Female roommates living in my room with me, so I don't have my own room. Uh, We we are cramped in really tight quarters, and things I can't hide what's in there. Like we're being exposed and refined in new ways. I haven't lived with roommates in my bedroom for like, oh man, almost longer than one of my roommates has been alive. So it's been a real stretching season of like, okay, I haven't been in this situation for a long time, and yet. It's a great gift when I allow him to refine me and I, in humility, repent where I need to repent and also have difficult conversations and discipleship. Yeah, in the practical working out, it's it's more of a the Lord and I conversation of God. Make me look more like you because I want to reflect who you are accurately and I want to know you. I think that's the best preparation for marriage is knowing God more knowing ourselves more and also having the humility to know when we just need to repent <laughs> and like, okay, Jesus, I need to look more like you because right now I'm not.
1: It's good preparation for basically any, any human close relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. find and out some some interesting things about yourself, even with, when you move in with a new roommate.
0: <laughs> totally. and you're like, Oh, this is in there. I really prefer this.
1: Where you find yourself resenting something and it's like oh wait you know <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> this is not this is not their fault that I'm being resentful right now this is <laughs> this is my own problem here that I have to deal with so <laughs> yes.
0: yeah and then you realize how selfish and self I like for me I'm like wow I just want it my way and I'm like yeah. oh that will be exposed in marriage but it's actually getting exposed now Mm -hmm. I have a friend who recently had a baby and she would just, her baby's amazing. Like he's peaceful, he sleeps, he eats, he's like happy all the time. And someone had asked her like, wow, may God give you great babies all the time. And she's like, well, what about sanctification? Like I need to be sanctified. And this girl who was talking with her was like, oh girl, don't you worry. God will send other ways of sanctifying you. And I think sometimes as a single person, I'm like, I know that marriage will be, it'll make you holy. Or it will do other things. But the purpose (laughs) is to make us more like Jesus. Part of the purpose, not the whole purpose, but part of the purpose is to make us more like Jesus. And knowing that as a single person, we can invite that into our lives through friendships, through godly friendships. And being like, okay, I'm letting you see some of the things in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you call me out? Would you disciple me in this area and keep me accountable that as in our society. It's so easy to isolate. It's so easy to hide areas of our heart and our lives. Mm-hmm. And we need to intentionally expose those things to God and to others in healthy accountability, healthy relationships so that we are becoming more like Jesus. There are going to be, for me, there have been seasons where there's been so much joy and grace and singleness. And there have been seasons where there's been so much pain and, where I felt like I failed in some ways and being like, man, I am not doing this well. Like I'm angry at you, God. And I think my greatest hope and prayer for young single women is that they would bring all these things to the Lord and let Him in. And they would take, whether it's disappointment or shame or confusion, they would bring it to him and exchange it for what he has for them. And that, And that we as young women, single women, young, not so young, that we would get a vision for our lives and that we would know that Jesus is the only one who can satisfy our hearts. No human being, no man will ever satisfy the deep longings of our heart. Only God can. And so often I think we bring a God-sized need to a man and it crushes them versus letting God come and meet those needs in us so that when we when and if we do meet a husband, we can relate and run with him in a different, healthier way because we've already let Jesus meet our needs and he's not made to, he's not actually supposed to meet those needs. He's not actually supposed to satisfy our soul. Only God can do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think those would be a few of the things that I'm still asking the Lord for and have had different seasons of where there's been like great victory and other seasons where I'm like, God, do you see? (laughs) But believing that, man, I want a vision for my life because at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before him alone and I'm going to give an account and he's going to tell me and reward me for the things that I've done. And I, I want that confidence with him. I want that deep relationship where he is my first love and nothing has can sway me no matter how great or how hard my marriage would be, because we're not, no matter if we do get married, we're not guaranteed an easy marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah. No idea what will come. And so we have to have that foundation of knowing God, of being satisfied in him, of him meeting our needs and of of going to him for those needs to be met. And so that would be my biggest prayer is, Lord, teach us how to come to you Mm -hmm. and how to let you love us and fill those areas of our lives. And then give us a vision that we can run with you and since I was young in my teens the the picture I always had of how I wanted to meet my spouse was that I was running full force into the plans and purposes of God and then pff, someone bashed into me yeah. and like oh my goodness oh goodness here you are here I am oh I kind of like you wow you're like whoa we should get married <laughs> kind of idea not in the fairy tale way there's probably part of that in there but like In that I want to be so focused on God and on his plans and purposes that I'm not looking to the right or the left being like, where is he? So distracted that I'm like wondering and everywhere I go, it's like, wait, where is he? Is he here? Is he not here? Lord, how do I act? How do I respond? We get so distracted. And Mm -hmm. yet that focus on him that it kind of just sideswipes you and you realize, oh man, I'd like to partner with you. I want to do life with you. I want to glorify God together with you and realizing that that is the purpose of our lives, whether single season or married season is to bring glory to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is my prayer for the single woman, women whom I know and love in Canada in the United States and across the globe. My prayer for women is that we would get our needs met in him and that our, our gaze would be fixed on him. And that whether he brings it or not, our heart would be alive in love with oh, Jesus.
1: Old Maid is written and produced by Gerald Witchers. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That would be a great help. Thanks. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Old Maid Pod. See you next week.